Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you all Anne Elliott. And I'm going to talk about you for a minute. <laughs> and you guys, I'm not even kidding, is one of the best writers I've ever seen. Um, the first time I read her work, I was humbled to be in the same room as her. I was just in awe of everything that she did to string together words into magic. And let me read you some of her background. Anne is the author of The Art Star Stories Stories and the beginning of the end of the beginning. Um, her short stories can be found in Story, A Public Place, Crab Orchard Review, Witness, Hobart, Bellevue Literary Re- Review, Fifth Wednesday, Journal, Fugue, and elsewhere. Elliot is a veteran of the New York spoken word circuit, which sounds so amazing right now, with stage credits, including the Whitney Museum, the Lincoln Center, and PS122. Her fiction has been awarded with support from the Story Foundation, Vermont Studio Center, Table 4, Writers Foundation, Tamales, Tamales. Bay, Tamales, so I, I, yeah, I, Bay Writers Workshop, the Normal School. She holds an MFA in visual art from UC San Diego and an MFA in fiction writing from Warren Wilson College. She lives in Maine here with me, and we're so pleased to have you, Anne. Yay, Anne. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm am so grateful that you have me on. This is a real treat for me. And um, this is something I love talking about. So thank you for letting me do this. I really hope it helps somebody. I, I really hope that somebody tonight will be inspired to uh, send a story and they send it to the right place. And it's a great fit. And they get a yes. And they get the thrill of seeing their short story in a magazine. Here we go. So I'm just going to let you know that my expertise is primarily in literary fiction and particularly the literary short story. So I know that a lot of you are writing in other genres, but a lot of these things I'm going to be talking about apply to other genres when we're talking about the short story. And I know that a lot of you are probably writing novels and and the submission process for novels is very different than the submission process for short stories. So I wanted to go through what is normal submission process for short stories. A lot of this is going to be review for some of you. It's nothing I'm saying is particularly unique. A lot of it is my opinion, but my opinion is not that radical. So let's just get into it. Is your story ready to send out yet? This is like the holy grail question, honestly. And I'll give you my opinion on what the best answer to that is. Ask yourself, do I like the story? And if the answer to that is yes, ask yourself, am I past the honeymoon period on the story? Has it seasoned? I would recommend, see, I'm the kind of person, and once I finish a story, I'm like, God, I am so excited about this story. I get obsessive. And then I'm like, I got to send it out right away. But I've kind of taught myself to wait a little while because with new eyes, maybe maybe at least three months uh, down the line, my new eyes are going to show me things that I didn't see initially that I really would like to take care of before I send it out. So get past, season it a little bit, let it rest, revisit it, and then 
maybe show it to somebody else. This is standard advice, of course. Show it to other writers. You, you all have a writer's community. Show it to them and make sure you find people who are going to be critical and not just supportive to make sure that your story is ready to send. And then this is a question I ask myself. Have I done everything I know how to do to make the story good? So you, you always hear this advice, don't send it out undercooked. Well, how do you know if it's undercooked? All you know is what you know how to do right now. So that's what I ask myself. Have I done everything I can with my current skills? If I have, then I'm just going to go ahead and send it out. And then the other question, will I be able to live with this story in public in five years? So try to think about how well it's going to age. These uh, publication is, of course, permanent. Those are the questions I ask myself. I can't ask myself, is the story perfect? Because I really don't know the answer to that. And honestly, it's not my decision whether the story is perfect for the publication. That is the editor's decision. You're just offering it to them and they have the choice of whether they want to take it or not. So um, that's my philosophy on it. And then the next big question is where, which publication is the right fit for the story? And here's my process for that. Everybody says this. I am actually a little bit superstitious about this. Read at least one issue of the publication before sending to it. My best luck has been with publications I have actually read. Do I actually read every single thing that I send out to? Honestly, no. But the ones where things have gone well are the ones that where I read it. So I think maybe it's just a superstition. Maybe it's magical thinking. I think if you read the publication, you're more likely to be accepted by that publication. You can even talk about it in your cover letter, for example, and ask yourself some questions, qualitative questions about the publication. What Are they doing experimental or traditional storytelling, for example? Is it funny or serious? Do they have a lot of political engagement? Are they do, doing genre? Those kind of things maybe come up with five adjectives to describe your own work and five adjectives to describe the publication and do a kind of a Venn diagram kind of thing. And, and you might be close and then read the submission guidelines for the uh, publication, because often the editors will make specific comments like, no talking animals or whatever their taste is. You can just follow their comments. It's it's actually not rocket science. And then you can research markets in annual prize anthologies, such as Best American Short Stories, O. Henry Prize, Pushcart Prize Anthology. There are genre anthologies, prize, prize anthologies you could look at as well. So I'm going to be talking about the literary fiction stuff, but there are analogs in, in, in other genres. So research the markets there. In the back of these books, they have the list of the publications that these stories were originally published in. In my opinion, when you're trying to find a fit, forget status and just think about the aesthetic. Does this the aesthetic of this magazine fit the aesthetic of my story? That is the most important question you're asking yourself. Forget about the status of the publication. And then keep in mind that the taste of a university-sponsored magazine is going to change over time sometimes. So pay attention to the masthead on a university-sponsored magazine because often it'll be students and that's going, to, that's going to turn over every three, four years. So a story that might not fit the current staff might fit the future staff as, as um, new students come through. The nice thing about a short story is you can publish it many times, but you have to do it in the right order. So I'm going to show you the best order, in my opinion, which is the standard order. Act one for your short story would be literary journals. The journals want to be first. They want they want it purchased for serial rights in general. And then the second act would be anthologies. And you can you can 
do the same story in multiple anthologies. You can submit to anthologies yourself. So you can find themed anthologies and submit stories that have already been published, or the journals will nominate for the prize anthologies. And then finally, your own short story collection. You want this to be the last one, ideally, because the publishers generally want to be last. And then from that point forward, any other publications of the story will be ones that they are, depending on what rights you sell them, obviously, the one, those will be the ones that they are negotiating with other publications. For example, a big publisher might take an excerpt or, or a short story from your collection and sell it to a big glossy magazine. So you you do want to keep at least one story in your collection that hasn't been published yet so that the publisher can do that. That's good publicity for a collection. But uh, in general, think of the short story collection as being the last place. And your short story collection is probably also not going to get as many eyeballs as the journals will. So it's where you can have the most control. You can make it your story the way you wanted it in your collection. Oftentimes there might be some compromise when you're dealing with a a literary journal or an anthology. And big publishers generally want to buy in a bundle with a novel, but contests or micropresses would take all kinds of short story collections by themselves. I submit in rounds, a lot of people do this, or tiers. And I would define a tier for the journal as the, the, the journal's value to you if you get accepted, your happiness level if you get accepted. You want to send out to a group of journals that are equal on this ground. You don't want to get yourself into a situation where you've submitted to your favorite ideal journal and then another one that you'd kind of like to be in. And the one that you kind of like to be in says yes then you got to be like, oh, I haven't heard back from the ideal journal yet. What do I do? Well, you have to say yes to the first one, uh, according to my etiquette rules anyway, which are standard etiquette rules. So the, the criteria are yours to decide those. You can, you can base it on, are they submitting to prize anthologies? Do they pay professional rates? Are they famous? All that stuff. Or do you really like the journal? Do you think the design is beautiful? Would you love to see your story in those pages designed by those people? That often is the criterion for me. And I've found some decent fits that way, sometimes with journals that are not that well known, but are sort of rock stars to me, you know. And I would I would send one story to five to 10 magazines at a time, assuming they all allow simultaneous submission, which I will talk about in a bit. You have to pay attention to their submission periods. They don't submit. They don't allow submissions year round. Often they allow only one submission per year per person, and make sure all the members of that round are in the same tier, so you don't end up with that disappointing, awkward situation where you haven't heard back from like the New Yorker yet, and somebody else says yes, and and you, you don't want to get yourself into a, a potential disappointment like that, and then wait a few months. And this is where the patience comes in. Some 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 journals will take five to seven days to reject. Uh, others will take over a year to reject. Some will reject quickly and take a long time for an acceptance. Others will accept quickly and take a long time for a rejection. So there is data out there on this stuff, and I'll talk about where you can find that in a little bit. Contests. 
I believe in sending your short stories to contests. Other people might have different feelings on that, and that's something we could probably discuss in the Q&A. But there are ethics for contests I'm going to talk about a little bit. The reason I believe in it is because they support the literary organization. So your submission fee for the contest is, you know, these, these magazines are labors of love, and you're helping them to keep doing their good work. And you're also buying an anonymous read. So you know that they're not looking at your credentials or lack thereof. You're, they're not looking at things that you think might push you out of the running otherwise. If you're worried about sexism or ageism or whatever in publishing, in theory, a contest is going to take that out of the picture because it's an anonymous read. And That said, some contests out there are unethical. They might be charging you way too much to submit and the uh, prize is not very big, or they might not be awarding the prize at all. So do pay attention to that. And so the typical dollar scenario, this is in USD, um, the entry fee would be like $10 to $25. If the entry fee is high, like $25, you're generally getting something in addition to your entry, like a copy of the prize issue or a year's subscription to the magazine, which I think is a great thing to do if you don't know the magazine well. You could just submit to the contest. So that's like buying a lotto ticket with your subscription. Then you can get to get to uh, know the magazine over the year. And then the following year, you could submit to the contest again. And your odds would probably be better because you know the magazine better. And then the prizes are generally between $500 and $2,000 plus publication in the magazine. Often they have a first, second, third prize, that kind of thing. What's nice is they often will also have a finalist list. So if you're trying to build up your bio, that's something you could put on your bio. You know, you were a finalist for, you know, XYZ prize. So it's worth doing for that even. Okay, here's the etiquette that I believe in. This is all beliefs, but everybody else believes in it too, I think. So follow the submission guidelines to the letter, story length, formatting, especially if it's anonymous, you don't want to accidentally put your name on it, the type of work they consider, Pay attention to their submission guidelines. The submission guidelines are generally right on their website or in the submission portal. If someone accepts, they're the ones who get the story. Don't play one market against the other. Don't go, oh, I'm not quite sure. Let me check with the other people. To me, the best form and the the thing that is going to keep you in good stead with all of these editors who you want to develop relationships with over time is to withdraw promptly. If somebody sees that you're withdrawing, they, they know that you're an ethical person and they might pay attention to your story next time around. But don't play them against each other. And then if you do get accepted and then you do reprints or you do your own short story collection, it is... Um, best practice to acknowledge the people who accepted your story in the past and helped you make it better in the editorial process. Maybe even by name, not just the name of the magazine, but the name of the editor. And be careful with name spellings. If you are corresponding with someone, Um, there's a lot of autocorrect out there. I'm saying this because my name is often misspelled. So I'm very sensitive to that. And I've made this mistake in in my um, correspondence with editors. So just be careful of that. And it'll generally cost about $3 for a submission to a non-contest submission period. This is absolutely normal. This is a replacement for what would have been like the $3 in postage there and back for sending your story through U.S. mail or whatever. So this is normal. It's not considered, you know, an, an overcharging at all. 
And it's actually expensive for these outfits to license the submission platforms. It's very expensive. So this is offsetting some of that cost. And don't reply to rejections. That's my opinion. Some people think it's good to say thank you to every rejection. I think it might be just clutter for their inbox. So I don't reply to rejections unless there's uh, something specific that they said to me that makes me think I should. This is just some terminology, simultaneous and multiple submission. Simultaneous is when you're sending the same piece to several markets at the same time. You want to make sure that these markets will allow that. But we can assume that the in, these places allow it. Most places do. It's very rare that's, that a publication will say no simultaneous submissions. And, you know, like I said before, and I'm um, drumming this in, make sure you like them all equally in, the, in a single round. And then multiple submissions or if you're sending more than one piece to the same market during the same submission period. And this is really common for flash fiction. Um, you might be sending three, four flash flash pieces in one submission or for contests where you can send as many as you want, usually each accompanied by a fee. You're increasing your odds of winning by sending five submissions rather than one. But that's also very expensive. So it all depends on your tolerance for that expense. For uh, most short story submissions, though, most places will only allow one uh, submission per period per person. Record keeping, just like any submission, you got to keep good records. And here are the reasons. Oh, here, well, the records would be like your submission date, what story, what version, if you're if you are revising in between submissions, and what response you got and when. So I do this on duotrope.com. I'm going to be talking about other websites at the end, but this, this is my favorite of all of them. You can share data anonymously with other submitters. So uh, assuming that everybody puts the data in for fairly accurately, it's crowdsourced data. It costs you $50 a year. If this feels like too much to you, ask to have this for your gift for the holidays. It's, it's certainly more valuable than a tea towel in a way. So yeah, for $50 a year, you get this uh, searchable database of magazines. It's a really smart search. You can, you can omit all kinds of things in your search, including places that you are currently submitting to or places that you've already submitted this piece to. And you can download the record of your submissions and then you can monitor not uh, your own response times and also other people's, not specific people's, but they'll give you the averages. So it's really nice to have all those stats so you know where you stand. It, they, they suggest when it might be worth contacting the publication to see where your story stands, that kind of thing. And good record keeping is essential for obvious reasons. You, you all are quite familiar with this, I'm sure, because any submission requires good record keeping. You don't want to submit two to the same place. You want to be able to withdraw efficiently. You don't want to repeat the same submission. You know, five years later, you don't want to send the same story in to the same place unless you give it a new title and revise it significantly. Cover letters. So the cover letter for submitting a short fiction to a magazine is really different from a cover letter for a query for a novel to an agent. When you're writing a query, you're pitching the story. When you're writing a cover letter for short fiction, you don't want to talk about the story at all. You want to pitch yourself. So basically keep it simple and professional, just the facts. So here's an example of what I would typically do. I'm just saying it's 7,500 words. Here's what I'm submitting it for. Here's my name and here's who I am. I uh, 
sometimes address the editor by name. In this example, I didn't. It's just generic. And by the way, I, you know, you'll notice I put the bio in third person after my signature. That's because then they don't have to ask me for a bio. If they say yes, they can just copy and paste that bio or ask me. They'll, they might ask for an updated one if they say yes two years down the line, I suppose. But I will only address the editor by name if I feel I kind of know them. It can be really awkward and palsy-wowsy and inappropriately palsy-wowsy, I think, if, if, if you're not careful. And I'm just, I'm just not good at making that judgment, so I just don't do it. And it hasn't, it hasn't uh, jeopardized, you know, I've paid attention to the kind of feedback that I've gotten on submissions, and I've gotten plenty of acceptances with this exact letter. Don't explain the story at all. Um, you might say the genre. That's about it. Don't say this is a story about so and so who fell in. Then the what? You know, don't. You know, don't. And then don't be shy about selling yourself. You make your bio about 150 words at the most. And even if you don't have a lot of publications, you do have credentials. Every single person has some kind of credential. Even a kid who's submitting stories for the first time has credentials. They have hobbies. They have things that they've done well. You know, my hobby is feral cat management. Other people have other hobbies. So if you have a lot of writing experience, definitely put that down. If you have education, if you've done workshops or conferences, put that down, publications, prizes or finalists in prizes, get that in there. Also, if you have other jobs that are interesting, you know, if you, if you have, if you, I was talking to a writer who worked on a fishing vessel in Alaska. Uh, I was like, well, I would want to see that in a bio, right? That's actually more interesting than I've been in these 10 magazines, right? So, so put whatever about you is interesting. This is your platform, which you talk about a lot, probably on submission of other kinds of things with your publications tossed in. And if you have read the magazine and you liked it, it feels good for the editor for you to tell them that you liked it. These are human beings who, this is their labor of love. This is their baby. Please tell them what you like. Let's talk a little bit about what would be a normal acceptance rate. When I say acceptance rate, I mean your acceptance rate as a writer. How many of your submissions would be accepted? I have uh, seen on Duotrope that anything over 5% is considered above average. So if, you, if you're sending out, you know, 100 submissions, if you get five acceptances, that's above average. The uh, rate of acceptance is obviously going to depend on where you submit. New Yorker accepts all, almost no one, and uh, online or independent journals are going to be more in reach. The size of the pieces you submit are also going to determine how easy it is to place. So anything that is less than a thousand words is actually going to be fairly easy to place. So that might be a good place to start if you're just starting out. Anything that's over 8,000 words, I tend to write these 10,000 word stories. Most places have a cutoff of 5,000 or 6,000 or 7,000 words. So there's no place to send these. And I do follow the submission guidelines uh, to the letter. I mean, I, I do eventually find places, but it takes a lot longer. You just have to be patient. I wouldn't write for the market. I wouldn't tailor my word count to the market. I would write the story as it wants to be, but then just, you know, be prepared for disappointment if you have a long story. And then, of course, rejection is a normal part of the business. So, But the question is, when when do you want to revise the story? If you've been getting a lot of rejections, when do, when is it time to go back and fix it? If the editor says they might consider a revision, yes, definitely. If the editor gives you critical feedback that rings true in your gut, yeah, maybe. 
If you feel like you've grown and you've gotten some ideas for the story, yes, good time to revise. Stop submitting, revise, and then send out the new version. But I believe if um, the story has received dozens of rejections, if it's received 50 rejections, that doesn't mean you have to revise the story. It just means it hasn't found its fit yet. If an editor gives you critical feedback, but you don't agree with the editor, that is then, that's not necessarily a cue for you to revise the story according to what that editor said. That's just one person's opinion. So trust your gut on revision. I have had better luck submitting things after revising them, but it's always been when I've trusted my gut and gone, okay, I'm not doing this because somebody told me to do it. I'm doing it because the story needs it. So you got to ask yourself that question before you go back and revise. Okay, you get an acceptance. Woohoo! It's really exciting to get that email or that phone call. A phone call is very strange because you think it's spam, and then it's a person saying they want your story. It's really exciting. <laughs> but so, what do you get next? A uh, contract, often, but not always. So, if you don't have a contract, you can ask for one. That's okay. But some of these places might not have the means to give you a contract. So there is a lot, a good deal of like faith in this game. Magazines will generally buy the first serial rights, meaning that you get the right to publish it immediately up after they publish it. And the web or publicity excerpts may also be required. So they may, they may publish it in print, but uh, want the right to publish excerpts on the web to publicize the story and then, or to publicize a magazine. And then if you don't like something in the contract, you can cross it out just like any contract and, or talk to them about it, renegotiate it. Some editors will want to collaborate with you. They might want to change it a lot. They might, they will definitely give it copy edits that are make it, uh, that'll make it conform with their house style. That's absolutely normal, all of it. And I tend to listen to editors who want to hack a story up. I had an editor cut a story in half and she did a brilliant job. It was the, one of the best learning experiences of my writing life. So I highly recommend listening to an editor who is going to publish your story and doing what they suggest. When you put the story in your own collection, you can make it the way you want it. You can revert it back to the way it was before the editor uh, made their suggestions. That's just my philosophy on it. It's not a matter of being obedient. It's a matter of making a version of the story that fits both something I'm willing to live with and something that they are willing to live with because they are putting their money on the line and their, their reputation on the line as well. And uh, of course, everything is negotiable. There's some things that I will, I will always push back on something, something I would insist. And then typical payment, small magazines, they'll pay you in copies, large magazines, plowshares, I think the going rate is about $250 right now. And then the huge magazines, that's when you're going to start to get into the thousands. Contests will generally be at least $500. All right. Some general advice. So this is, uh, you know, some recap, some some new philosophical stuff, I guess. Get organized. The minute you get organized, your luck is going to improve. And set goals for what you can control. Aim high, but don't be a snob. If you if you see a journal that's beautiful, submit to it. Maybe maybe you'll develop a great artistic relationship. Don't reject yourself. If you if you hear one thing from me uh, tonight, it's don't reject yourself. That is the editor's job. Expect rejection. That's their job. 
they're trying to make a beautiful magazine. Your thing might be beautiful, but it might not fit their magazine. That's all it is. And develop relationships with the journals you love. Subscribe to them or, or develop relationships with the editors, especially if they give you a personal rejection where it's an invitation for conversation, then um, develop that relationship. And don't let submission take over. In particular, after you've submitted, you know, don't don't go on the submission portal and hit refresh constantly. This is like a good way to go crazy. And well, if you enjoy doing that, do it. I'm sorry. If you enjoy doing that, do it. But it's it's a good way to make your your ego go a little nuts. And, and try to take joy from the process of submitting and not the results. I think of it as like casting seeds onto the ground. Some of them are going to sprout. Some of them are not going to sprout. If you do it carefully and you read the package on the seeds, you might have better luck casting the seeds, but you're not ever going to get 100%. So try to take joy in just the, the hope of it, I guess. So here are the resources that I recommend using. Do a trope is number one. And like I said before, that's $50 a year. It, with the record keeping and the searchable database. It's invaluable. They also have agents now. The list of agents on there is probably not as complete as some other places, but it might be getting there. Submittable.com. This is free. This is the portal by which I would say maybe 80% of literary magazines out there. It's, it's, a, it's a great portal for both sides. The only problem with it is it, it's, it's expensive for the magazines. But it's a great portal for people who are reading submissions and for people who are submitting. And you can search opportunities on there, too. And the record keeping is free. Here's a blog of a friend of mine who does an annual ranking of literary magazines based on the Pushcart Prize results. His name is Clifford Garstang. So go there once a year and you can see he'll just rank the magazines. And it's it's generally the same magazines, but... Um, Similar thing with Erica, Erica Krauss, a blog where she ranks literary magazines and has a lot of submission advice. And I think her, her advice is really solid. So I would spend some time on that blog if you're looking for more advice. PW.org or Poets and Writers, they have a searchable data, database of contests. They vet their contests a little bit. I would feel confident submitting to any contest I see in this database that nobody is there just to steal my money. And... Creative Writers Ops is a blog put out by Allison Joseph, a poet. So it's a lot, of, a lot of poetry opportunities, but there's also opportunities for grants, contests, and magazines that are looking for work. Sometimes it's small magazines that you might not see any other way. So that's exciting. So I check that once a week at least. So, so those, those are the resources I recommend. Ah, that's it. <laughs> end of the show. And now I'm ready to take your questions and talk about and see if anybody disagrees with my philosophy on any of this, or if I missed any important points, we'll find out. Yay. Thank you so much. But, All yeah. right. So I gotta, let's pull up these questions here. He hello. I'd like to know how to make an interesting bio with no previous pub, pub cred. Thank you. I may have answered this a little bit, but if you were describing yourself in a job interview, that's one way to think about it. When you're the best job interviews are when you tell kind of a story about yourself. Use your narrative skills. So you know, I, I say say I were me and I didn't have any publications. What would I say? 
I would say, well, I worked on Wall Street for seven years and hedge funds for 13 years. And then I decided to throw it all away and go to Maine where I could <laughs> hike with my dogs. And that's what I do now. So, you know, you could you could give them a game like that. You could also talk about, you could talk about your hobbies. You could talk about your other careers. You know, a lot of people come from like the legal biz or if you have a career that's unusual for a writer, definitely bring that up. You know, I was in the CIA. You want to, if you're allowed to bring that up because that's really interesting. That's going to catch their eye. So I hope that answered the question. What are the best short story competitions to enter? That is really up to the individual, but there are some that are that are pretty prestigious, like the fish contests. Those are out of, is it Ireland, UK? Those, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't submit to them because my stories are too long. So anything you see in poets and writers, I think are good competitions to enter. And if you look in the back of Poets and Writers magazine, you'll see where they'll list the winners of these contests. You can see who won them. So you get a sense of sort of what the caliber of writers are. So that's that's a good place to look. But I think it's really up to the individual. I hope that answered the question. How can you tell if a publication is the right, how can you tell if a publication is the right fit to submit your story to? I have heard a number of ways to approach this. One really cool way to do it is to pick up a copy of the magazine and if you if you don't have time to read the whole magazine read the first page of every story in the magazine and ask yourself what style is this is it foregrounding language is it foregrounding character is there a genre to it and then ask yourself the same questions about your own piece that you're trying to place and if there's a if there's a match then consider sending it to that magazine how important is the cover letter really what should go in it the cover letter is not important at all the only thing that must go in it possibly is the title of your story and the word count of your story they are likely to be looking at the story first and not seeing the cover letter at all when you're when you're in submittable you just click on the story and and go story 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 so what should go in it i think you know other than the stuff that i mentioned before your bio put a bio in in there and the name of the story that's it if the story is part of a series, you might want to mention that as well. Is the three-act structure necessary even for flash, flash fiction or short story less than 2,000 words? I don't think the three-act structure is necessary at all for flash fiction. If you're any, any literary fiction, if you look at the work of Amy Hempel, for example, she, she, she told me once that she found plot almost a little bit boring. Not a three-act structure, that she's foregrounding language, and there's a lot of narrative propulsion from the language alone. So um, just make sure when you're looking at a magazine to submit to that that is what they are interested in. But this might be, for example, one of those criteria that you could use when you're making that sort of Venn diagram of what you do versus what the magazine does. If, if you're looking at the stories in the magazine and every one of the stories has a three-act structure, it might make sense for you to send them a story that has a three-act structure. But if they don't use three-act structures, if their structures are, are odd in any way, then and your structure is odd in some way, then maybe that's a good fit for you. 
And there, there are some magazines out there that do some wild stuff. Before we move on, Never. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're friends with Amy Hempel? Can uh, we no, just I know. Like, oh, no, okay. I'm not friends with her. Like, what? I, I'm her I fan. Her. <laughs> I'm her fan. I'm sorry. I took a workshop with her. And I'm oh, her fan. okay. I was about to if be like ever... starstruck with what? <laughs> no, so I'm taking this workshop with her. And I said, and this feels really gossipy or whatever. It was just like a one-week workshop. And I and I said and she asked us uh, to to talk about what we felt our weakness was, and I was like, well, I feel like I'm strong with language and weak on plot. She said, plot, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <she's>, yeah. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> and you might disagree with me on her stories that they you might say they are very plot heavy, and that they you might be able to prove to me that they are three X structures. So, but I think I, they're I, so I, beautiful on a line by line level. I don't care if there's yeah. a plot. Right. Hmm. <laughs> And I think, and especially, especially with um, short shorts, you can get away with a lot. It's almost like a poem. You, you really, you, there aren't the demands of structure that you would get in, in something that is um, conforming to a genre or something that is, has the rhythm of a feature film. Okay. Well, very cool. I couldn't let that go by. I wanted to hear all about it. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that's, Thank you for indulging like, me. <laughs> that sounded like name dropping my friends and that's not what it was at all. I paid money. I paid money to have a conversation with them. So, um, <laughs> okay, next up. Which is better money-wise to submit to magazines or put stories in a collection? So actually you could potentially make far more on the magazines, especially if you submit to a contest. The advance on a short story collection and, you know, the agents in the room might have uh, better data on this. The advance on a short story collection is likely to be very small. And if you win a short story collection contest, that advance is also likely to be very small. Maybe, you know, maybe as small as a thousand dollars, which is, you know, or I don't know, maybe we should consider that a big advance in in today's world. But the prize for one short story is also going to be about the same or might be more. So I would say better money-wise, you do both, right? So you can submit to the magazine and then later on submit your collection. So do it in that order and you and you get the benefit of both. And the other thing you can toss in there is, is grants that don't offer publication. So there, there are grants out there or fellowships that would take stories that aren't, that aren't yet published and... And you could you could win a prize for that story without any publication, and then it's still available for you to send out for publication. So you can you can double up and make a lot of uh, you can make a lot of money writing short stories. You're not going to make a lot of money writing short stories. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, that's the sad news. Here I am to give it to you. I hope that answered the question. Any let's move on to the next one. Any tips on how to keep a short story actually short? It's still fleshed out. I still prefer long form, but want to start creating shorter works too. Thanks. I'm telling you, I'm the wrong person to ask this question. Every time I sit down to write a short, short story, I'm going to write, I'm like, I'm going to write a 2,500 word story. Next thing you know, it's 10,000 words that I'm trying to figure out how I got there. So I do not know the answer to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been trying. I've been trying. Thank you for your presentation. I appreciate your time. I'm from Victoria, BC, Canada. Can you please tell me where to sell humor pieces to magazines? I can give you a, a general comment that if you're using Duotrope, you can specify humor in your search query and it, it will give you a list of places that are looking for humorous stories. So that's one place to start. 
And then the other place, uh, the other thing to do is to is to read some magazines and figure out which ones you think are funny because one person's humor is not the same as another person's humor. So you want to, you, if your humor is simpatico with the publication, then that's a good place for you to send. There's some good ideas there. McSweeney's, The Rumpus, Points in Case. Yep, those are good ideas. McSweeney's uh, Internet Tendency is a great place to send a humor piece. Do you feel beta readers are an important thing to have even before sending a manuscript to an agent or editor? Yes. You want uh, beta readers for everything, everything. And when you, when, and when I say beta readers, I mean, you want to have somebody who's going to read it for quality, structure, you want them to read it for your language, you want copy editors and you also might want a sensitivity reader before. So if you're dealing with any topics that are regionally specific or racially specific, it's a good idea to make sure that you're not doing something unintentionally that would horrify you down the line. And um, there are people out there who are sensitivity readers. You can exchange with them or you can pay them to read your stuff and let you know just how misogynist or racist or, or transphobic you accidentally really are, which is really helpful. You really don't want your stuff going out there um, with those flaws. Yes, the answer is yes. I'd love some ideas about YA short stories, where to send them, how anthologies are received. This is another thing that you can do on Duotrope. YA is, uh, you know, among, among the genres that you can pick from, they do have a lot of YA markets in there. So that would be a good place to start searching. There might be, you, you might be able to search for them on Submittable too. I don't know. There are so many literary journals. How do you even select those to start with? I love this. I love this question because, you know, everybody's journey is going to be different. And right now in pandemic, it's not like you can just go to the bookstore or the library and start picking them off the shelves. Like, oh, this one's beautiful. I'm going to look at it. But I believe that's the best way to do it. A university library is likely to subscribe to a lot of literary journals. You go spend some time in a university library and just pick them off the shelf and look at them. When the pandemic's over, I highly suggest that. But until then, what do you do? I would go on one of the databases, do a, do a trope, submittable, or research in the back of one of these prize anthologies, get the name of the journal, Google it. You can look at the journal and uh, spend some time with it online. Most journals have some kind of online offering and see if you like it. And if you like it, look for their submission guidelines. Sometimes they hide the submission guidelines. You got to go into contact and then it'll be in there somewhere or it'll, it won't be along the top banner. You got to go down to the bottom and, and search down along the bottom to find uh, how to submit. And then there's a comment here. If the story has been published in a local magazine as a contest winner, can you still still submit it elsewhere. Yeah, if they'll they'll accept things that are previously published. Most places will will stipulate they only want things that have never been published before, but you can even use that as one of your search criteria on Duotrope. You can you can specify that it's a reprint or something that's already been published and you can find all the anthologies that are currently taking previously published stories. Will higher level literary journals accept stories that are not submitted by agents or publishers, e.g. you mentioned the New Yorker. The New Yorker is kind of a separate category from all the others. They're likely to, to prefer uh, stories that are submitted by agents or they will contract authors and the authors, you know, they, they have first right of refusal with a contracted author, that kind of thing. So it's a separate category. But uh, most of the higher level literary journals will accept slush. You know, I, I, I was accepted by plowshares uh, from, via the slush. I didn't know anybody there. 
So it can, it can happen. Yes. The answer is yes, they do. And a lot of places like to be, here's a great example, Story Magazine. They like to be the first person to discover a new emerging writer. They love that feeling of having the bio. And the bio will say something like, so-and-so has been an attorney and a cop and a judge, and, and this is their first published story. They love that kind of thing. So, yes. What's the best way to order your stories for a collection? How do you emphasize their common threads? I think that's a, a matter of what you think you want your book to be, what you want your readers to get from the book as a whole. And there's so many ways to do that. I think it's almost a separate conversation. What I did in my collection was I looked for common characters and I wanted to to take the flip side. So somebody who, you know, you see one side of a person, maybe you want to see their story and see the other side of the person. So somebody who's a tertiary character might become a primary character, that kind of thing. And last but not least, is this the last one? Is there a market for commercial short stories or do magazines generally expect literary fiction? My expertise is in literary, literary fiction, if you call it ex- my expertise. But there are magazines that publish all different kinds of stories. There are magazines that specialize in speculative uh, or uh, mystery, thriller kind of stuff. So they're all out there, all kinds of magazines. Awesome. I honestly hope that this helps somebody and inspired them to send their stuff out and that somebody says, yes, I'm really, I would be really excited if that happened. And I would love to hear if that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like we love success stories. And (laughs) I mean, I, I think, I mean, honestly, you opened my eyes to so many possibilities that I hadn't even considered. So I'm hoping that maybe some people there are, you know, like short story curious, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're not writing that, <laughs> maybe this is something that you might want to try. I mean, like a thousand words and, and, and really like honing those like chops of like character and not plot, <laughs> but the, the sentence level work is super interesting. And thank you. This was amazing. I'm so impressed and I learned so much. Really appreciate it. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.